appeals was that they relied upon a cue, tooth film, that was universal and impossible to ignore. Telling someone to run their tongue across their teeth, it turned out, was likely to cause them to run their tongue across their teeth. And when they did, they were likely to feel a film. Hopkins had found a cue that was simple, had existed for ages, and was so easy to trigger that an advertisement could cause people to comply automatically. Moreover, the reward, as Hopkins envisioned it, was even more enticing. Who, after all, doesn't want to be more beautiful? Who doesn't want a prettier smile? Particularly when all it takes is a quick brush with Pepsodent. By the end of World War II, the military downgraded concerns about recruits' teeth because so many soldiers were brushing every day. The key, Hopkins said, was that he had learned the right human psychology. That psychology was grounded in two basic rules. First, find a simple and obvious cue. Second, clearly define the rewards. If you get those elements right, Hopkins promised, it was like magic. Look at Pepsodent. He had identified a cue, tooth film, and a reward, beautiful teeth, that had persuaded millions to start a daily ritual. Unlike other pastes of the period, Pepsodent contained citric acid, as well as doses of mint oil and other chemicals. Pepsodent's inventor used those ingredients to make the toothpaste taste fresh. But they had another unanticipated effect as well. They are irritants that create a cool, tingling sensation on the tongue and gums. After Pepsodent started dominating the marketplace, Researchers at competing companies scrambled to figure out why. What they found was that customers said that if they forgot to use Pepsodent, they realized their mistake because they missed that cool, tingling sensation in their mouths. They expected, they craved that slight irritation. If it wasn't there, their mouths didn't feel clean. Claude Hopkins wasn't selling beautiful teeth. He was selling a sensation. Once people craved that cool tingling, once they equated it with cleanliness, brushing became a habit. Anyone can use this basic formula to create habits of his or her own. Want to exercise more? Choose a cue, such as going to the gym as soon as you wake up, and a reward, such as a smoothie after each workout. Then think about that smoothie, or about the endorphin rush you'll feel, Allow yourself to anticipate the reward. Eventually, that craving will make it easier to push through the gym doors every day. Cravings drive habits. And figuring out how to spark a craving makes creating a new habit easier. Tony Dungy had waited an eternity for the job as head coach of the Buccaneers. For 17 years, he prowled the sidelines as an assistant coach, first at the University of Minnesota, then with the Pittsburgh Steelers, then the Kansas City Chiefs, and then back to Minnesota with the Vikings. Four times in the past decade, he had been invited to interview for head coaching positions with NFL teams. All four times, the interviews hadn't gone well. Part of the problem was Dungy's coaching philosophy. 
In his job interviews, he would patiently explain his belief that the key to winning was changing players' habits. He wanted to get players to stop making so many decisions during a game, he said. He wanted them to react automatically, habitually. If he could instill the right habits, his team would win. Period. Dungey recognized that you can never truly extinguish bad habits. Rather, to change a habit, you must keep the old cue and deliver the old reward, but insert a new routine. That's the golden rule of habit change. If you use the same cue and provide the same reward, you can shift the routine and change the habit. Almost any behavior can be transformed if the cue and reward stay the same.